This fresh coat of the startup life has been sprayed on nice and smooth by Wagner and the Flexil series of paint sprayers. Startup Nation, my wife decided she wanted to rehab her childhood home. The goal was to fix it up and invite a nice family to rent it out. We knew one of the biggest jobs we had to undertake was painting. However, from the walls, the cabinets, and even the siding outside, it was going to be a big task. As entrepreneurs with a company to run, we knew this was going to take up a lot of our time, which is why we decided to get a paint sprayer. And after much research, we decided to go with the sprayer from the Flexio series from Wagner. Startup Nation, these sprayers are top-notch because of its flexibility to paint or stain walls, furniture, cabinets, and more. It's 10 times faster than using a paintbrush, which was a big selling point for us. And you can paint or stain right from the can. It's also easy to clean in five minutes and being great for indoor and outdoor projects, a paint sprayer from the Flexio series clearly needs to be part of the arsenal in your garage. So if you're ready to stain your deck or like me, fill your daughter's request of a bubblegum pink room, up your game with a paint sprayer from the Flexio series by Wagner. Take it from me. Your time will thank you. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, with everything going on and we're, you know, social distancing and self-quarantining, I know a lot of you are out there and you're thinking about starting a business. You know, a lot of you probably... Uh, going the e-commerce route, setting up websites and stuff like that. And we have a fantastic guest for you to kind of help us out with that, to kind of give us a few pointers. He is the founder of whatismyipaddress.com, a tech-friendly website attracting a remarkable 6 million startup nation, 6 million IP-seeking visitors a month. So clearly he knows a little something about uh, websites and stuff like that. He has been featured in Fox Business, CBS News, Washington Post, the Huff Post, and more. He is my guy, Chris Parker. CP, how's it going, my man? Great. Thank you for having me on, Dominic. Oh, no worries, man. You know, I, I appreciate you coming on. Can you would you be willing to pour some knowledge into startup nations today? Because we could definitely use some right now. I will pour whatever knowledge I have available to you that would be of benefit to your listeners. Sounds great. Sounds great. So let's get started. Let's kind of start with your origin story first, if you don't mind, CP. Sure. So um, at the time that I loved, well, my personal origin, grew up in Southern California, have spent my entire life here. It's a it's a great place to live as long as you don't mind taxes and uh, high rent and <laughs> high everything. Right. <laughs> Um, uh, went to college and eventually, uh, dropped out. Uh, during that time I did work for a, uh, online mail order company selling computers okay. uh, and I was part of their team to build their website and, uh, helped out with it there. And at one point we had an issue where we needed to know the IP address of our internet connection because we were trying to send files over to a marketing agency or something like that and was having problems and, it's kind of at the early days of the internet, it was kind of hard to figure out your own IP address. There wasn't right. a whole lot of resources out there. So I built a website that night and uh, spent the, I think, gosh, domain names were expensive at the time. I think it was $100, $100 a year at uh, networks for a domain name. Right. It's com. set it up on a Windows 2000, oh, gosh, Windows NT server box. Wow. Uh, sitting, sitting at home uh, on a 
get this, folks, a five megabit DSL connection. <laughs> Gotcha. If you've got if you've got a three G iPhone, right. <laughs> you you have a faster internet connection than I did when I launched that site. Absolutely, absolutely. Because when I did it, it was just a it was a tool to provide the IP address, nothing else. It just showed that little you know, depending on your IP address, that short little number on the screen, eight point aerial font, no markup, no graphics, no ads, nothing. Gotcha. That was the beginning of the website. Wow. Wow. I appreciate you uh, sharing that. Tell me a little bit about like, you know, you, you, quick follow up. Tell me a little bit about, you know, selling computers and, and, and stuff like that. Some of the experience you got from that company you were talking about. Yeah. So it was a, a company called Club Mac okay. um, that uh, it was a mail order computer reseller. We sold Apple computers. This is back when Apple actually didn't sell direct. You actually had to buy it from a reseller. Right. And I started working there when I was in college doing night and weekend sales because that was, you know, worked worked around my school hours. Right. Uh, Eventually became a, the the night weekend sales supervisor. Uh, And then a few years later went into what they called as product management. So I helped uh, build the catalog that would, would go out to people and I handled a a particular product line. Um, It was, it was funny. One story there is, um, I remember, you know, my manager was listening, you know, they, they would listen to your phone calls and kind of audit you. How are you doing? Uh-huh. You know, what could be better? And one of the things my manager got upset at me with was someone had called in and said, hey, I'm looking for, a, oh gosh, I don't even remember what Mac it was at the time, but I'm looking at this computer. Uh, do you think it would be a good computer for me? I said, mm-hmm. well, what are you using it for? So we go through it all. And ultimately it's like, it was way overkill. It was, you know, why buy a $5,000 computer when a a $1,000 computer will work for you? So I sold him the $1,000 computer. (laughs) And, and afterwards my boss was like, what are you doing? You, you, you gave up, you left $4,000 on the table. And I'm like, well, but he, but he doesn't need that. And it was funny because this particular customer ended up buying like $10,000 worth of hardware for me over the time that I worked for the company because he, because he, because he trusted me because I wasn't out, trying to make, you know, obviously I was trying to make money for myself, but I was looking to make money at his expense. I was just trying to buy, you know, trying to sell computers at what people needed. If they didn't need something so powerful, then why sell it to them? Because I mean, it builds trust. And so when other sales reps were hurting because, you know, it'd been a while since we'd mailed out a catalog, I had people calling me back and asking for me directly because, I was actually trying to meet their needs as opposed to line my pockets. For sure. Uh, you know, Chris, I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you for sharing all of that. You know, and that reminds me of my banking days before we started our company where I used to work at a bank. You know, I'm not going to say the name. I'm just going to say it rhymes with smell smargo. Right. And so they would have <laughs> like, you know, these quotas and stuff like that. And they would want you to like set up certain products, even though they didn't need those products. But you're absolutely right. And I found that success. Uh, as well, where Startup Nation, a lot of times we we want to kind of, you know, sell the big ticket items and stuff like that. But sometimes it's just, you know, no, all the time it's just important to get what the customer needs, get them what they need. And ultimately you build that success and that trust and that rapport, which means in the long term, like Chris just talked about, that long term is actually more profitable in that regard. So Chris, I appreciate you sharing that, man, because I know a lot of entrepreneurs when it comes to selling, they miss that part. 
Yeah, I mean, and I and I don't want to say that like you know every methodology of selling. Of you course, know, you, of course. You, you can only do this, but but for me, it, it you know it aligned with my values and right. my perspective to make sure that you know I felt like I was helping people as opposed to how much money can I make? Right. And in right. certain circumstances, like you know. Uh, you've got bills to pay. Sometimes that becomes a priority, unfortunately. For sure. For sure. So, you know, Startup Nation, me and Chris were kind of talking before we started our conversation to share with you about how we, we scheduled our conversation in January. Here it is, August. And so much has changed uh, since then. Uh, so, uh, Chris, I want to ask you, man, like kind of share with me what your new normal is looking like these days. And, you know, in January, when we set this up, you know, you know, we was going to have a great conversation and stuff like that. And I think we still are. Don't get me wrong, but we, we weren't anticipating what has transpired since then. Right. So kind of talk about your new normal a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of those things that everyone has to deal with to, to differing degrees. Uh, I did have the advantage that prior to COVID, I was already working at home. Right. Uh, I would meet with a number of my vendors, uh, guys who would write for me, do graphics work for me, I'd meet, for, meet with them in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I love to travel. We love to eat out. Kind of all the things that y- you can't do during COVID-19 is uh, what we got hit with. Right. Um, my wife was working full-time and very, very fortunately, she's still able to work, mm-hmm. uh, but she's now working at home in the, in the, in the room next to me. Right. Uh, and, and so it's kind of been this, this shift in mentality and I've had to, um, I, I think one of the kind of things that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn now is that <laughs> I'm trying to find a, a, a nice way to phrase this is that I have to be careful of like how much social media and how much news I consume. Oh yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's a big one. It, it, it's so I, I've done a good job in social media. I was probably about two years ago. I basically turned off notifications for every social media app I have mm-hmm. uh, uninstalled most of them from my phone. So I don't have social media t- telling me, you have to read this now because I don't want social media controlling my life. Right. Um, and I think that was a, a, like a real good move for my sanity. I think the harder thing has been with, um, uh, with, with news about politics right. and coronavirus right. and, and relations. Right. Like, I feel like I, I need to do my part and be aware of what's going on. But Absolutely. I found that like, Man, this is this is it. Really, just pulls you in and sucks you in these you know down these dark you know these dark roads. This will be overwhelming. And I, it 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 has been overwhelming. Right. I think that's one of the things I've realized yeah. is you know those vocate those vacations, those times out of the house, eating out. But I've had to realize that I don't have those, and so those were kind of the breaks from the emotion that comes from the news. It's like okay, no more news echo chambers. Uh, dial back to social media consumption and really just like, okay, I just got to get back to the basics of my business uh, of just the news is going to continue. The world's going to still going to spin regardless of whether I pay attention to the news or not. And so I think like in the moment, that's been the hardest challenge for me is saying like, okay, I have to, I have to intentionally not pay attention to what's in in a, a lesser extent. I have to, intentionally not pay attention to what's going on in the world and not be distracted by uh, all the drama that surrounds us. Right. For sure. No, I definitely understand it. It can definitely 
be overwhelmed. And I think we're all trying to find that balance, Chris, of like, you know, getting the news so you can stay informed and make informed decisions about everyday life and stuff like that. But at the same time, not being, uh, you know, overindulgent or overwhelmed or, or consuming too much news or social media and stuff like that. Cause that I, I know firsthand, like, man, that can really wear on your mental health. Right. And then everything, yeah. else, you know, you know, from your relationship, you know, with your wife or your family, whatever startup nation, uh, to your business, you know, that can really kind of snowball quick, you know, quite rapidly if you let it, you know what I mean? So I definitely appreciate you sharing that and being transparent about that. Yeah. And, and the other thing I've, 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 uh, tried to learn the lessons of other people and, I, I don't post, you know, through my business accounts. I don't do anything that's political. I don't do anything that's, uh, um, race relations. I I've seen, uh, my wife works in an industry where, uh, they're dealing with the backlash of the people that work with the company. You know, gotcha. I support this, I support that, that yeah. I don't support, this, I don't support that. Right. And like the company's getting complaints and it's like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is, this is a disaster when we start letting too much of our personal life come out through our businesses. That's true. It, it can be especially, a lot. especially on controversial subjects. Right. For sure. For sure. You know, I, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, really quickly before we transition, right. You know, we talked about how we scheduled this conversation in January and now we're here talking in August and it's a whole different world. This is a true story, Chris. I'm about to tell you, right? So there was another gentleman who we had on the show recently and he scheduled around, I think around the same time, right? And we talked to him last week. And so he's like, yeah, you know, glad to be on the show, looking forward to it and, and stuff like that. You know, hopefully the world doesn't end around that time. And so, <laughs> and so, and so when we talked about it, he's like, you remember that email you sent me? He's like, you, he's like, did I say that? He's like, yeah, you just totally said it. It's like, man, you got to stop saying stuff like that. So I just thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> Once again, it is. Right, for sure. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Chris Parker, the founder of What's, What Is My IP Address uh, com. If you want to check out that website, uh, make sure you go to the show notes if you listen to the replay uh, on the podcast. We have a link there for easy access. So let's just kind of dive into it, Chris, man. Kind of tell me about your company uh, and what is. Uh, what is what is my IP address.com and what do you do? Yeah, so the the, the company is the website. I right. don't uh, have there's a, there's a you know a, a legal structure around it as well. Sure. But predominantly, what I do is the website. Originally, just started purely with showing people their IP address, uh, which is kind of like your the the internet equivalent of your 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 home mailing address right. or or your, or your cell phone number. It's, you know, how data gets to and from you. Everybody's got an IP address. And, um, it, it's surprising, like how much information you can often glean about a person based off of their IP address. Mm -hmm. So if you were to visit my website, I now have a tool on there that will show you a very likely, uh, geographically, where are you? And in some cases it's, it's pretty scary, crazy, accurate. Like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm looking at it you, right your now. Kitchen I'm, window. I'm, I'm seeing mine right now. It is a, it's a little scary, <laughs> but I'm okay. I'm all right so far, but go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's all. That's all right. But, but the idea was for me to start creating awareness, both, you know, if you're the user or whether you're trying to find somebody who's, you know, harassing you or something like that, right. or if just wanting to know, well, what do people know about me? And I think it's, for some people, that's pretty scary that you're out there on the internet. It's your IP address can lead people to your front door. And for right. some people that's really, 
Right. And so that has led to promoting uh, through affiliate relationships a VPN products, which route your traffic through another right. IP address. To make, like you're somewhere else in the world. They have some. They also provide access to content that you otherwise would be able to get that's geo-restricted. And it has some additional security benefits if you're on kind of sketchy uh, internet connectivity. You're at the you're at the donut shop and you don't trust that the the donut shop owner is a network engineer. Right. Might be a good time to VPN. So that's, that's kind of the the the, the foundation of what I built. There's a lot of content to try to provide uh, technical that what can be very technical information in a very non-technical way. Right. The idea was not an IP address website for network engineers, but an IP address website for the rest of us who, who don't have a degree, who haven't uh, spent years digging into this stuff, who just, I just basically want to know what it is, how it works, how do I keep myself safe online? And that's really been kind of the foundation of what the website has provided over the last 20 years. For sure. And uh, you're absolutely right. Cause I, I, I see a lot lately, you know, advertisements of like, you know, certain like, uh, uh, those VPN type of, you know, uh, uh, secure uh, services, or if you will, if you don't want people to like, you know, check your internet history and, and, and stuff like that. So I've been seeing that a lot. I'm not going to name names because they didn't cut as a check, but I know what you're talking about, though. Uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, but I want to ask you this, like, what are some of those ways that, you know, not only if I'm just, you know, just casually surfing online, but if I have a business online and 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 I'm trying to sell products or whatever the case may be and make money with my business uh during these crazy times and I want to be safe and secure. What are some of those tips that we can have? I mean that we can, you know, follow and stuff like that. I mean from from the from the business side, you've you've got to make sure and this is difficult for non-technical people. You've got to make sure that you're keeping everything up to date. Right. If you're running WordPress for your website, you, you've got to be looking at your plugins. Or, you know, are you updating the plugins as soon as an update comes out? Do you? <laughs> yeah, all those crazy plugins that, are, that you have plugins that are no, that you're no longer using. Deactivate them because right. each one of those plugins becomes like an additional security risk for your website. Gotcha. And then you you got to look at all your business equipment. Are you keeping your updates on your computers current? Uh, the one that everybody forgets is your router. Is it updated? There's a, a particular brand of router called, I believe it's a Microtech. I don't know that it's super common here in the U.S., gotcha. but, but basically almost every single one of their routers everywhere in the world was vulnerable to being hijacked, meaning someone could take it over and route their malicious internet traffic through your, your, you know, their home router. So someone could be sending spam from your router. And so you scan your machine. There's nothing wrong with your machine, but your network is doing all sorts of crazy stuff. It's looking at what websites you're visiting. So, you know, those are the kind of things you have to make sure that you're periodically checking everything to make sure it's updated, that you don't have stuff installed that you don't need. Um, I I think, you know, we're talking like freelancers and people that are the the gig gig economy. You also want to be careful about, and maybe it's a little bit less so nowadays, is where you're getting your internet access. Um, If you're going to... Uh, if you've got a co-working space, usually those are run by corporations and they've got a little bit tighter control on what's going on with their networks. But if you're going to McDonald's, Whole Foods, your, your, your local donut shop, I would probably use a VPN. 
Gotcha. That routes all your traffic securely, doesn't let them snoop. It kind of keeps keeps that little extra safety net of, okay, I'm making sure that at least if the network is compromised, I'm not potentially risking my customers, my business associates, and stuff like that. That's 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 key. I, I, I didn't think about that because I know a lot of times, like you said, freelancers and and, and people who kind of go to coffee shops or the local local restaurant, like you were saying, uh, they you know they use that that, that free Wi Fi, but you know it could be some uh, some serious security issues. You may have customer information like just kind of just floating around in there. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, and then um, you know I, th- I think there's also just the issue of you know password protection, password right. managers. Uh, making sure that you're not using the same password more than once, kind of these common gotcha. common techniques. For sure. Um, I actually recently started a podcast, and nice. we talk about which which I never thought I would do, but I've actually started one. It's gotcha. it's it's been a blast. It's been a lot of fun, and I talk about uh, kind of the scams that people fall for, and kind of what the signs of those scams are, and how to protect yourself from them. And for small business people, there's a lot of uh, scammers out there trying to get access to your bank accounts. So if you have a, you know, like lots of us, we have an outsourced uh, person doing our accounting for us. We want to make sure that we have rules in place so that if they get an email saying, Hey, set up this new account and wire $5,000 to this person that they don't just do it without thinking. Right. Because the scams are just getting more and more sophisticated. The scammer interacts with you. They get your email signature. They create an email address that looks like yours. They find out who your accountant is, send off an email, and then your accountant wires off your life savings to somebody else. For sure. Yeah, that that's so true. And it's so scary to think about. You know what I mean? It's like it's you know, because the thing is, it's like I know a lot of people who who who've gotten, you know, gotten buy stuff like mm-hmm. that and, and like you know like businesses you know they go out of business or like you said their life savings is just completely depleted and so it's really sad so i hope you caught all that startup nation this is just super important and i was actually going to mention the podcast but you beat me to it but startup nation that podcast is the easy pray podcast we have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on a podcast make sure you check it out to get some of those those tips and those uh, not necessarily like scary stories, but more so to kind of like, you know, equip yourself to make sure uh, you're doing right by your customers and your business. If you're, you know, obviously if you're using a website and stuff like that, for sure. So I appreciate you sharing that, Chris. You're very welcome. I mean, and, and I should say it's it's not even small businesses that are at oh, risk absolutely. to these types of yeah, sorry, I, um, I was, I was it, in the um, A-Man corner there real quick. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, if, if anyone watches Shark Tank, uh, Barbara, I think uh, Corcoran, yeah. she lost $400,000 to one of these scams. Now, she was lucky enough that she's like high enough profile, and they found out about it soon enough that they were able to stop the bank transfer like just before it went through. Right. But like, you know, this this even affects, you know, I think she owns like a payroll company as well. So it's not like she's some newbie who's not paying attention. Google and uh, Facebook have lost hundreds of millions of dollars to right. these types of scams. Right. They're super, super prevalent. 
And so people just really need to be aware of them. For sure. I appreciate you sharing that. So like I said, you know, there's many people, you know, during this pandemic and COVID and, and they've decided since they're working at home, like, you know what, I got time to start a business and they're using websites and stuff like that. So if you would just kind of talk about, you know, the ever changing landscape of SEO and, and monetization when it comes to the website, because I know that's a big one. Yeah, I mean, those are, those are really challenging in terms right. of uh, like SEO, the the concepts around it, have, you know, I, I'm older. The concepts have changed around it from when I got involved in the Internet. It used to be that you just put keyword on a page and all of a sudden you start ranking for that keyword. Right. Um, it's a lot it's a lot more complex now. There's a lot of moving parts. But the primary thing is is about building good authoritative content that. Um, you know, it's, you know, Google always talks about design for the user first, mm. that you really have to think about user experience. Right. Are they going to, not just, you know, do I have links to these articles, but, you know, have, have I gotten links from real sources? Have I gotten news articles about me? And there's, there's all sorts of ways that you can go out and do PR. Um, being on podcasts is a great way to get people to uh, link to your business. If you're talking about what you do, it, it's a great way to, to, to get those links and to be authoritative and people see uh, what it is that you can provide them. So there's the SEO side, um, you know, but it's really about producing consistent quality content that's readable, that people want to share. Um, I would avoid, and I've got a bunch of this content still on my site, but uh, of like the big gigantic wall of text. Mm, where it's just right. paragraph, 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 paragraph. You've got to make it, you know, it, it's funny that you think of this as it does kind of fall under SEO because it's about how people interact with your page right. that you have, you know, call out text, you've got quotes, you've got images in there, you've got stuff bolded so that people can kind of skim through. They understand what's important from the article, what's not important. They spend more time on the page. Google looks at that as a ranking signal. People have a better experience. They're more likely to, to click, uh, more likely to refer to somebody else, more likely to post it on the social media, kind of making all these things easy for the person to do. All right, Startup Nation, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. we got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. Tresla powers this episode of The Startup Life. Okay, Startup Nation, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere. I know so many entrepreneurs that are still using their, their personal phone number for business calls. It can get complicated drawing the line between your personal and professional life. Startup Nation, this is the best business phone app out there. Whether you just need a business phone number or if your team is ready for a complete business phone system, Tresta is totally flexible and can grow with your business. And it's all unlimited. Calling, texting, and all of the powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more for just $15 per user per month. With Tresta, there's no contract and you don't need any special hardware, just your smartphone you're already using. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself, all online. 
avoiding all the hassle and high overhead costs of setting up a traditional business phone system, which is important because as entrepreneurs, we are always trying to cut cost and time. They're often a 30-day free trial so you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system is right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com forward slash startup life. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com forward slash startup life. The link is there in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Tresta, business communication simplified. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. For sure. You know, I, I appreciate you sharing that because I know a lot of people, they spend a lot of times like, you know, with backlinks and and trying to, you know, fuel traffic to the website and stuff like that. And then when you get there, it's like this big wall of text. And I think you said something that was very interesting and super important where you talk about user experience. You know what I mean? Like, that's super important. Like, it's one thing to guide them to the site. But once they get there, it, they have to have a, a pleasant experience with your website, navigating those articles, navigating through, uh, you know, whatever resources and stuff like that you have. So I appreciate you sharing that, Chris. Yeah. Like like you said, navigation on the website is, is really, really important. Can't people so once they get to your website and they want to, you know, what's the next thing they do? Is there a clear call to action? Is it not too gimmicky? If they need more information, is there a way for them to get more information? Can they find out how to reach you? It, it's funny. I One of my key things is when anyone approaches me and wants to be a vendor or they want to advertise, they want to be an ad network on my site, kind right. of almost whatever they you know, business thing, right. the first thing I do is go to their website and do they have a contact page? Where are they located? Do they have a mailing address? They have a phone number. And I'm like amazed at how many websites don't have a phone number. All they have is like an email intake form. They don't have their address. And it's like, uh, you seem kind of sketchy when you won't tell me where you, where your address is. So, right. That's true. I mean, like, so what is my IP address.com? I don't have customers in the traditional sense. I'm not inherently selling a product or service. Right. There's no reason for anyone to know the address associated with my website. Right. But guess what? I, well, I've got one on there because that's what real trustworthy businesses do. You want to send me a letter? You can find an address on my website, which you can send a postal mailing to me. Mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> and so I think it, it's, it's kind of those, you know, what do you, you know, what do people expect out of legit, out of a legitimate business? And that as freelancers, we make sure that we're offering those things. Is there a phone number, an address? Yeah. Contact forms are great. Put them on there. But you know, sometimes people want to send postal mail or, or you're like me. It's just part of, you know, I've, I've been approached by so many sketchy people that it's just part of my way of looking at businesses is how transparent are you about who you are, who the owners are and what you do. Right. You know what? Let's stay right there really quickly, because I know a lot of times I I know this happened to us in our business as well. Like when you first sign up or not first sign up, when you first start a business and you and you, you know, get structured with the LLC and you sign up for this service and that service to help support your business. You know, a lot of times you get stuff in the mail, you get stuff in your email inbox. And a lot of it seems a lot of, you know, kind of sketchy, like you were saying. So if you would, Chris, kind of share some of those red flags. Yeah, I mean, I need 
you talked about the web address and stuff like that. But what are some of those? I mean, the web address or physical address. But what are some of those other red flags that new business owners should look for? You know, b- before they you know hit the submit or before they uh, you know uh, drop that credit card information to kind of use that service for their business. I, I I'm one of those kind of proponents of, um, and, and this is me. If someone uh, approaches me and is pitching their service, I, I'm always guaranteed not to use them. Um, so I, I'm always guaranteed not to use a service that's pitched me. If I receive a physical mailing from a gotcha. business, um, I'm just not super – physical mailings are a little bit different, but I'm still also like really cautious about that. Um, I know that there's <laughs> – I, I got one the other day. It was, hey, um, it looked like a, uh, a an official letter from the state saying, hey, yeah. you need to have – you need to have these uh, employment charts, you know, posted in your employee break room. And right. I'm like, well, I, I, I don't have a brick and mortar location. I don't have any employees. I don't have a break room. Well, I do, but it's my own kitchen. You know, it's just me on the payroll. I don't need this. And I was curious. And so I went out and, and uh, looked up that company on Yelp. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and they had, they had like a thousand reviews. All of them were one star. Wow. And every review was one after another. Uh, I signed up for the the thirty dollar package. Um, I got a phone call, and they tried to upsell me the the five hundred dollar package. Uh, I said no. I just want the thirty dollar package. But they billed me for the five hundred dollar package. Wow, that's that's absurd. And I hate that because like that because I mean, look, Star Nation. Look, I I, I sh- no, we want you to have these stories and to share these stories, not to discourage you, right? But the thing is, we want you to be informed and to be empowered. So I appreciate you sharing that because that happens a lot, especially the ones where you get the the physical mailings and it's supposed to look like you know something from the government or something like that. Star Nation, real quick. If it doesn't have some type of government seal or something like that, that's a red flag in itself. I just want to add that uh, in there as well. If it don't say it's from the state of California, from the state of uh, Tennessee or wherever the case may be, uh, you, you might want to you know, do some vetting there. I'm sorry, Chris. I wanted to get that in there because I, I think you brought up a valid point when it comes to that stuff. No, it, it is. I mean, there's so much, you know, fake stuff out there. Um, I you know, had filed a trademark um, for my company logo. Right. And I now, you know, periodically get, you know, 10 to 12, like, it, it's really weird. It always happens at once. So maybe it's like renewal dates or something like that. But I'll get like a dozen letters in the mail about, hey, for $1,000, we can register this internationally, or you need to do this. Right. And it's like, uh, no, my, my lawyer didn't say I needed to do that. So right. I'm not going to do it. I mean, part of it is just like always check with somebody else. I mean, if you have, if you own a small business, you're just starting up, ask somebody else who's a small business. Hey, did you do this? Did you get this letter in the That's mail? Important. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, you know, don't, don't be afraid of looking silly asking questions to people because everyone, when they're starting up their business, you get these things unless you've been, unless you've been doing this for 40 years. You know, it's your first business. How would you know what is legitimate and what's not? Right. And in some cases, you know, guess what? It, you're going to make a mistake. Something bad is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as a good example, I was approached by somebody who I uh, who repre- the, represented themselves as a, a representative for an ad network, a company that sells 
banners. Uh-huh. Um, it was it, the company that they claimed to be representing was a legitimate company that had a good reputation. It was someone that I'm like, okay, I know who they are. They're someone I would do business with. Right. And so we, we started doing, I'm like, okay, yeah, I want to work with this guy. We, we start doing, you know, sending paperwork back and forth. And, you know, I, I checked out his website to make sure it was what I was expecting it to be. And, uh, at some point, things started getting a little bit sketchy, but he was like, oh, there's a technical, there's a technical problem. And I just kind of went, you know, it's during the holidays, technical issues happen. Right. And, it, and it turns out, uh, I'll cut this, you know, without going too much into the minutia of the story, um, the guy had bought the .NET version of, a doc, of, of the well-known company's name, and he had set up a website that looked exactly like the .com. He had just changed the phone number to match his phone number. Right. His email signature matched the email signature that you would expect from people at the company. Um, his fake, you know, infrastructure that he set up looked close enough to what I would expect it to be. Right. And it turned out that this guy basically scammed me out of ten thousand dollars of of income. Jeez. So he got paid. You know, in, in theory, he made the money and was supposed to pay it to me, but he didn't pay me the money and right. he disappeared. Right. And my initial thought was. I'm going to war. I'm going to find this guy. I'm going to make this guy's life miserable. Like he's going to, you know, he's never going to forget the day that he crossed paths with me. And, you know, I thought, well, let me sleep on this before I go to war. And and the next day I kind of woke up and went, you know what? You know, I'm going to have to pay a lawyer. Right. You know, that's important going to cost me, you know, as much money as I, it's probably going to cost me more than I that I've already lost to hire a lawyer. If this guy's a con man, he's probably already spent the money or doesn't even have the money. So even if I win a lawsuit against this guy, I'm not going to get my money back. Right. And I'm going to spend hours and hours and hours of time working with a lawyer, worrying about this, being stressed out about it, being upset about it, you know, venting to my friends about it. But I'm like, you know, I'm going to take this as a as a really expensive ten thousand dollar lesson, and I'm just, I'm just going to drop it and change my you know change my business processes to make sure this doesn't happen again. Right. right. And I, it was kind of like the best thing that I did was to just drop it, let it go. It's a lesson learned, and rather than you know, it could have dragged on. You know, even if I could have found the guy, it could have dragged on for six months, a year, two years. At, at some point. I had to decide, like, I just got to let it go. It's just not worth the, you know, there, there's an opportunity cost to going after this. It just wasn't worth it. Gotcha. No, I, I understand that. And I hate you went through that, but I appreciate you being transparent and sharing that. It, it, it's just, like you said earlier, it's just like they get, they're so sophisticated now. They're only getting more sophisticated by the day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's so difficult. And it's just so kind of, it can be disheartening, startup nation, where, People are, are out to kind of scam you and, 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 you know, you're just trying to start a business. You're just trying to start this thing and people are still out there. But I think Chris gave us some very helpful insight. You know, I actually, one of the craziest ones I saw, uh, was actually not even over the internet. It was in person. I was actually still in my banking days where this guy came in. I was a business banker, uh, at Smell Smargo, but, uh, you know, he, the guy came in and he said, yeah, you know, I'm set up this business account and stuff like that. Uh, and I was like, Hey, what's your EIN? He's like, Oh yeah, I got to finish paying this dude. I'm paying him three installments of $99 to get my EIN. I'm like, wait, what? 
What are you talking huh? about? Like, huh? He's like, yeah, you know, I, I got to pay for my EIN. Like, no, you don't. We can set up EIN like right here, right now. Like, you don't have to, you know. And so he had, I think he had already paid him like two installments of $99, you know, to get an EIN number. And so it, it's just amazing, you know. And the, the irony of that, like, you know, you could use that entrepreneur prowess to do something legal. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so you want to spend a day. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm I'm always baffled by that. Like I, you know, in right. kind of tangentially related to hacking and and scammers. I'm like, man, if if you just put your efforts into doing something good, this would be so much of a better world. But you're you're busy just trying to scam people. Right, right. It's just crazy. Once again, stop it, Nation. We're talking to uh, Chris uh, Parker, the founder of What Is My IP Address uh, dot com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. You know, you talked about this a little bit. We kind of got on. Uh, you know, talking about security and scams and stuff like that a little bit, but I want to ask you about something you said earlier because you don't have like the traditional customer base like a lot of businesses. Mm-hmm. Have. So, kind of talk about you know that a little bit. Is it has it been more difficult? Not as difficult as most businesses. Kind of talk about that a little bit if you don't mind. Um, so yeah, so I actually did have a a small business for a while selling books online, um, where where I actually had inventory. And I realized, and I realized that man, like, I don't want to be spending my nights and weekends packing books. This right. is just, this is not, this is totally not scalable. Right. Uh, and so I can actually switch that business model over to doing um, an, uh, Amazon. I guess it's Amazon Associates now, where mm-hmm. I would just refer them to buy the book from Amazon, and they're like, "Oh, this is awesome! I don't, I don't have to rent credit cards. I don't have to have inventory." Like. This is scalable. Um, unfortunately, this was shortly before. This is predates a lot of people, uh, but this was shortly before uh, Amazon got rid of all their California uh, affiliates. It was over, you know, the whole fight over taxes, whether they you know, charge taxes in California, right. and so my business model was entirely dependent on Amazon. And they, over the course of like a week, they said, "We're going to be terminating all affiliates effective next week." You know, have good life, and so that kind of like totally just down overnight so the lesson there is don't be de- don't be fully dependent on one source for anything okay. sure. <laughs> um but yeah it, it's been interesting building a business that doesn't have a that in a sense doesn't have a product or a service that i charge people for right. um it, the, my website is based solely off or my income is based solely off of affiliate revenue and display ad revenue um and so things like COVID was like, oh gosh, this could be really bad for me because right. anytime, anytime the economy does bad, um, you know, people start pulling back on their advertising because they right. get uncertain, right. which means my ad revenue potentially drops off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID has been a very interesting uh, scenario for me because while. Um, you know, economies have have had challenges, and some companies have pulled back on advertising. Other companies have kind of increased their ad spend. Um, but one of the weird things that has um, you know kind of benefited that I've been a benefit a benefactor of benefactor benefactor yeah. I've benefited from right. <laughs> is that is that more people are home and online. That's true. And so they have a more more of a need to figure out their IP address. And so I saw probably at the peak, uh, thirty or forty percent increase in traffic to my website. Got you. Um, now, mind you, I had a, a a fairly significant 
downshift in uh, the technical term is CPM rates, the mm-hmm. amount of money that you make per 1,000 ad impressions. I saw a pretty significant drop in uh, basically the, how much I would be paid for ads, but luckily it kind of balanced itself out, which I was very fortunate for. But it's taken, you know, it's taken years and years and years to, uh, in one case, it was building a platform to manage. Uh, I think at any given point, I had maybe like 20 different ad networks that I was working with and trying to balance their ads. And ultimately, it was like I'm spending more time dealing with like effectively dealing with sales on my ad than I was spending on content creation and right. tools and things like that. So I ultimately ended up like part of this vision of I need to outsource more stuff. <laughs> I went to, you know, did some research, found a company that basically um, a turnkey solution. Uh, we take care of all the relationships for you. One billing, you know, rather than having to invoice 20 companies, I only had to invoice one company, didn't have 20 relationships to manage. Right, and so they bringing on new ad ad partners. They kind of handle the whole thing for me, and that's that's been a godsend. Kind of making that transition of, okay, I need to trust people who are experts in their fields, uh, experts at what they do, and leave you know leave time for my expertise and my what do they call creative genius, my areas where you know these are the skills that only I can do. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing all of that. You know, I, I want to ask you this because we kind of, you know, you, you talked about uh, the the early days of the Internet a few times. And I want to ask you this, like, you know, as you, you know, look back and see how the how we use the Internet has changed and grown, how people have uh, their uh, feelings or you know how they feel towards the internet and using online stuff like that and shopping and all that stuff has evolved for the past what you know 20 uh, 30 years now kind of talk about something that surprised you uh, that's kind of a thing now that you really didn't anticipate like in the mid 90s when it came to the internet and stuff like that in your opinion I mean I think the the whole concept of the internet on your phone is is uh, is pretty crazy is pretty crazy amazing gotcha. um the fact that you, you could have, I mean, because, you know, back in the days when the Internet started for me, I'd, uh, maybe I had a pager at the time. <laughs> right. right. So, 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 like, the, the concept that, like, you could have high-speed Internet on a phone and access to information almost, you know, immediately, it, right. it's really kind of is really kind of crazy. I kind of wonder, you know, what what is the next step? Mm. Um I know for a number of years people are talking about, oh, voice search is going to be, you know, is going to rule it all. You know, right. we're going to be talking our, our smart home devices and not using our, our phones and our computers. And I haven't seen that materialize. And I'm kind of happy because, like, how you deal with voice search on a website and how you, okay, how do you build a website? How do you how do you tie into those things? How do you benefit from your smart devices to right. drive you business? That's a real kind of like, I, I, you know, that might put me out of business because right. you know, if, if your smart device can answer that question, you know, what do you need my website for? for sure. um, and so we always, I think you always have to be kind of aware of new technologies and what's going to happen. But yeah, I think fo- I think the whole concept of high speed internet, like that's just ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Right. You have access to, I mean, to me, it's just, 
maybe it's good or bad. I don't have to, there's so many times I don't have to, you know, dial up a friend and yeah. <laughs> what, what are the, the dial up a friend? Hey, can, can you tell me about, Hey, I know you're an expert in, uh, building, you know, woodworking and building tables. Can you tell me what's the best way to sand something that's, you know, painted? Uh, I, can, I can look it up on, on my phone on YouTube and just have like almost instant access to like good quality information. Now, there's a lot of bad quality information. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Oh, and I think that's um, – I think we're now starting – I think it used to be bad – there used to be a lot of bad quality stuff. And unfortunately, now I think we're starting to see lots of uh, misinformation and people intentionally kind of building bad content that are trying to be divisive, they're trying to stir up things, they're trying to mislead people. Right. And I think that's, that's – that's totally contrary to, you know, kind of the, the underpinnings of the internet. The, the internet was designed that everybody should trust everybody. That computers, when you're handing handing data off to one another, there's there's this implicit trust in that data. And we live in a world now where, yeah, maybe the data's moved around with trust, but can we trust the content? If I receive an email. I'm pretty sure it's not really from a Nigerian prince who's got $10 million from a relative I didn't know I had. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and somehow they've spoofed my, my mother's email address, you know. Right. Uh, you know the, the internet was never designed with this, with scams in mind, unfortunately, with, with hackers in mind. Um, right. So I, it's weird, you know, how, how do we how do we know we can trust the information that we can so easily find? That's true. You know, it, it, it's crazy because I, I, I wrestle with a, a fundamental, fundamental question, right? Like I'm curious if, are we smarter because we have access to information so fast or our lack of having information at the fingertips has forced us to not think as much. And so we're not as smart as maybe we I, was 30 years ago. What, what's your take on that, uh, I, if you don't mind me asking? I, I think it's – like you said, I think it's a double-edged sword. Right. Um, I, I think there are people that um, – I don't want to say they've lost the ability to uh, reason or to think critically, but maybe uh-huh. have, have not developed that ability as much. Mm-hmm. And that is a – I think that's a potential problem. I don't know that we, we do a very good job in the educational system in the U.S., and maybe we do better than other countries – um, about teaching critical thinking and the importance of reasoning. How do I reason through this? How do I try to resolve? How do I try to solve stuff and be creative in my answer as opposed to just uh, looking for the solution somewhere else? Right. You know, should we like if you can trust all the data out there and it's all reliable? Should we have to reinvent the wheel every time we want to do something? Right. I don't know, but I, I I think there's a risk that we. Um, that we kind of lose the ability to reason, lose the ability to think. And it's now just kind of a, a copy and paste culture. Mm, I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. But, you know, to, to go back to what I was asking you earlier, I think the one thing I'm cool, because it's funny you mentioned that you were talking about uh, Internet on the phone. I think I'm fascinated by mobile games. <laughs> right? mm, I, I think yeah. that's like crazy. Like, and the thing is, it's like they're they're you know, and they're quite good now. Like I, I remember 
The first instance I used the internet on the phone was my freshman year of college. This is like 2001, where I was reading text alerts from ESPN, like reading the news. And it's like on a flip phone, analog flip phone, right? <laughs> that, that's what I remember my first instance of the internet. But now, like, you're looking at mobile games, and they're just as good as, like, you know, like a console game now. You know what I mean? That's kind of like bananas. And then, like, you know, and then to your point, the whole internet connected part of the mobile games kind of fascinating too. So I appreciate you indulging me on all that, man. No, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm amazed at that as well. I mean, I don't remember. I mean, I, I was a gamer in the days, but I don't like, I'm trying to think the last game that I actually installed on my computer. Gotcha. I don't, it's, it's, it's on my tablet. It's on my phone. Right. And like you said, they're, pretty there is you know as good or better than a lot of desktop or console games absolutely absolutely they're pretty sophisticated they're pretty sophisticated uh startup nation we are wrapping up with chris parker the founder of what is my ip address.com thank you for kind of coming on the show and kind of indulging me on a few things i know we talked about entrepreneurship but we kind of got into some other stuff that was kind of cool what do you think yeah i I super appreciate coming on i I love talking about just what i'm learning and i think that I think that's a value to, you know, business owners is having those uh, relationships uh, with people. Maybe they're over, maybe they're over Zoom nowadays, as opposed to meeting someone for coffee where you can talk about your learning, talk about, you know, what epiphany that you've had. Um, I I think maybe one parting piece of advice is um, like growing up, I, even though I went to business school for a while, I hated reading I hated, hated, hated reading business books. I got nothing out of them. Um, a while back, I was uh, actually, I don't know, when did I buy this book? When's the copyright? Uh, I don't see it. I think it's like 1980, 1990. It's, it's, it's an ancient book. Gotcha. Um, Getting Things Done by uh, David Allen. Okay. I had read that in my college days, I had read it. And even afterwards, I had read it a couple of times and could never like, it just never made sense for how do I apply this to my life? How do I impl- implement this? But, you know, with the advent of you know, my business getting busy, that I'm starting to lose track of things, starting to forget things, uh, new technology on phones that sync to do lists across platforms, like the fact that like I had, tr- had tried to do something multiple times in the past and didn't have success as something that would help, you know, kind of a, a skill set. But that at some point later on, I could pick it up and my circumstances had changed such that, okay, this is useful to me now. So I think just because we've done something in the past, it didn't work for us doesn't mean we shouldn't relook at it or try to learn a new skill set that we didn't already have. That's true. That's true. I appreciate you. Uh, saying that. And Startup Nation, that's going to wrap up our time with uh, Chris Parker, founder uh, of whatismyipaddress.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. Also, check out his podcast as well, Easy Pray, uh, the Easy Pray podcast. We have a link there for that show there as well. CP, I appreciate you coming on the show, my man. Thank you very much, Dominic. I appreciate your time. No worries. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.